Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Bullseye! Eight oh nine on Wisconsin's morning news this Monday morning. Eric Bilstead, Vince Vitrano here with you. Greg Pancake Hill will produce the program. Lots to talk about today, and I want to start with this that I hope resonates with a lot of parents, even if you've got kids who've already moved on and you fought through the social media revolution and what that is and means. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm not a fan of our overly litigious society. And this is pegging off a number of school districts that are now starting to sue the social media giants over the effects that social media is having on young people. More on the details of that in a moment, but that's why we're launching in to this. I don't like that we litigate virtually everything in the courts, so I'm not generally a fan of that. I also get very leery when you talk about the government coming in and limiting or worse still, perhaps even shutting down platforms that are used for free expression. I'm real leery about that, as we should be as Americans. But that said, I think I know that when I look at my own kids, the overall net effect of social media on them is a negative. It's damaging. And as a parent who thinks I try to do a pretty good job, like I'm a decent parent and I have kids who are good, I still need help because it's still not sticking. And... All the actions that my wife and I take to try to help regulate their social media use, the actions that they are well aware of that they can take to limit their exposure, especially when things are negative on social media. They've grown up with it. It's always been there. They, like so many of us, are flat out addicted. Let's call it what it is. And I need help because even my reach as a parent to try to keep them off of this stuff and mitigate those those damaging effects are not. Not 100%, Eric. And Google responding to these lawsuits by saying, hey, look, you know, we, we, we're, you know, this isn't our fight. This is your fight as the user, as the school district. We are providing something. We have regulations in place. We have guidelines that are suggested. We have the ability for parents to be able to put markers in we place. Have tools, yes, right. We have tools. We provided tools. Yeah. You can so limit the time. What, that's what should happen, says Google and other parent companies. And so I don't know where I ultimately come down and how the lawsuits play out. And I think more and more school districts, and there's even talk of the United States Department of Education yeah, yeah. joining in these lawsuits, suing the social media giants and looking to what? Recoup monies, probably, right? So there'll be there would be damages if they were even successful. And we're a long way away from that. So then what? That money goes into a big pool, and then we use that for mental health, and I don't know that that ever gets us anywhere. So regardless of the lawsuits and how they play out, you know, my acknowledgement this morning is, yes, you've given me tools. I know I can go in on the social media and set timers, or a lot of things, a lot of what we hear as parents is, well, they don't let the kids be on it. They don't get to have Snapchat. They don't get to have Instagram. Easier said than done because... Why I say I need help, okay, say I kick my kids off of all their social media. Like, nope, you don't get Instagram, you don't, whatever. I've talked about this before. They are in activities where the primary manner of communication between coach and athlete or their arts groups or whatever is social social media. media. (laughs) Yep, yep, mine too. They don't call mom and dad at home and say, here's the schedule. They don't even send emails anymore. They say, check our team Instagram page. We'll Mm -hmm. have an update on whatever. 
for cheer, the primary way they communicate is via Facebook. Yep. We post the schedules, everything's right there. Like, so it's not even as simple as it being a choice. Like if you want your teenagers to participate in the universe, they kind of have to be on this stuff to a degree. But this stuff is built in a weird and strange way where it's, it's, we've talked about the dopamine effect, right? Where like these social media sites are created to keep you wanting more, to desire more, to feel good about yourself all the time because of this or that, or the desire that is affecting parts of your brain. And then you have that 60 minutes report. I, I still remember this from CBS. They, they did a 60 minutes report about these agencies and it wasn't specific toward children, but just in general, that a lot of this social media is created. It is divisive on purpose <laughs> because that's how it makes money. So it's creating conflict intentionally in order for it to be successful. And it's sucking on our you know, collective brain juices to make that happen. And to the point of parents you know, being active, we talk all the time, and many of you parents have had the same conversation with your kids as Eric and I have had with ours. We've had the digital conversation about anything you write in a text, anything you put, whatever, in, into your device has the possibility of being seen by people you right. did not intend. So we've had that conversation 10,000 times. We've had the conversation about, you know, if you are applying for a job or when you're trying to get into college, people will check your social media and just check and see who am I dealing with here. First thing I do when you hire somebody new, hey, we hired John Schindeland in Search here in the up. newsroom. Yep. Search him up, see what he's got. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm like looking for dirt. I just want to want to find out about him. And I expect on their social media, I would learn about them. And if the first thing you see is a bunch of drinking pics and you know what other stuff, okay, that's how you've presented yourself to the world. And it may not even be fair. They may not even be right. a fair representation. But if that's what it looks like, then that becomes the reality. And I told you, so we've had all those conversations with my kids. I think they're they're good kids who try to do right. They have good hearts. I think my wife and I are active parents. And still, even in the last week or so, I had a thing where I had oh, yeah. to go, and it, it's the traditional story. Somebody reached out to my wife. She reaches out to me. Have you seen this on the kid who posted? Uh, I hadn't. Me. I guess I'll check. And it wasn't. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't awful, but it was something that I. the conversation started with, is this how you want to present yourself to the world? I did get a little pushback, too, of like, you guys always say that, you know, they check that, like jobs and stuff like that. Well, I know kids who got into Madison, their whole social media is full of vaping and practically having sex. And they still got into Madison. Mm. Well, I don't know. Then next point is, this is how you, th is this how you want to present yourself right, to the right. world? Or how you're, you want your kids to see <laughs> how right. you were. You want your mom to that's see, gonna you make your grandma to see. That's going to make parenting a lot harder when, yeah. well, you did it, I can tell, because here's a video of it. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Good luck this generation. with <laughs> well, yeah, I, I follow you on Twitter, and guess what I found? <laughs> but right, so, you know, we're a family who's had those conversations. And yes, I probably, I, I will own that I need to do a better job. Maybe it's daily, maybe at least weekly, combing through their feeds and just make sure that it's all good. But again, you can tell them till you're blue in the face. Put that phone down. I can see their mood change as soon as they mm -hmm. pick it up. Mm -hmm. And they will acknowledge, too, yeah, I know. I went on whatever it was, TikTok or whatever today or Instagram, and I got, I got sad because I saw this and I saw that. Or my friends, a bunch of friends went and did some stuff that I wasn't invited to, and now I know about that. I, they know that picking that thing up and going into that space sometimes makes them feel awful 
and they can't help themselves. Just like smoking a cigarette. So to that point, you mentioned like the algorithms that have been built to sort of foster that addictive behavior. Yeah. That's the thing that got the tobacco companies mm-hmm. in the big lawsuits was, you know, for years they were producing a legal product and they said, look, you want to use it? Don't use it, whatever. You know, we're not culpable for that. And what they went back in and found was they knew it was addictive. They misrepresented the addictive nature of it. And therefore, that's kind of what what got them on those lawsuits. So then they had those giant warnings now, right? U.S. Surgeon General warnings. I'm not sure what they if that actually affects anybody anymore. But right. like that was a big deal to put these giant warnings on those packages. Can you wrap Instagram in that? I, Warning, yeah, it's a good question. Is, I don't know how you would. This is destroying your brain. Or does this have to come up? You know, could it be as simple as a giant window just comes up? i.e. a commercial ad or whatever that just says, Surgeon General's warning, this is bad for you. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just And does that, does that get us anywhere? No, other than just Xing out of it <laughs> right? and then continuing on your, your journey on TikTok. As I said, I'm not a huge fan of the lawsuit, but I'm open to it because I do acknowledge as a parent in this area, I need help. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank. Talk and text line, Old National Bank, get old. Are you open to these school districts hopping on board saying we need help too in combating the negative effects of social media and we think a lawsuit is the way to go about it? 855-616-1620. Back with some of your responses right after this. We all suffer from a certain degree of addiction to whether it be your phone in general, whether it be to texting, whether it be to social media. Like, we are definitely programmed to be locked in. <laughs> Got into it with my wife this weekend because I was texting at a time I probably shouldn't have been. Like, and it was the, can you please be present in this moment sort of conversation. That wasn't a big deal, but she, and she wasn't wrong. But the the compelling force that I feel of, well, this guy texted me. I have to text him back. Right, Isn't right that funny? now. Yeah, I have to drop everything that I'm doing. I have to Immediate drop the reaction. people that yep. are in front of me, yep. the place that I am right now, because my phone buzzed, and I need to do that yeah. right now. And I know, I know, I shouldn't. I can't. It's like because it feels so good. <laughs> that it it's does. Like, if that little red icon is there, telling me that I have unfinished work, and that's designed yeah. to do that too. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, check this. You have unfinished work. I need that thing off of there. It's it, Nothing is by accident. This is not coincidental. Everything is coded a certain way for that reason. Asking for thoughts on, so we as parents, especially of teenagers, but the, those who have younger kids, you're going to deal with this in some form as well. Those perhaps who've had kids move on, you know, you're, you've already been through this battle. Just what do you do then? Even as good parents who try to monitor, who try to do that, if not, sue all these social media giants, which is happening. You're right. School districts across the country now suing all the social media giants. What do you do to sort of help them through this landscape? From the 920, this is the one area I wouldn't mind the government stepping in just to put some controls in place through the social media platforms. But how can a school system sue social media platforms if their coaches are using those means to connect with their players? Yeah, that's really interesting comment. I mentioned there are at least a couple of couple of programs, you know, with my kids' school where the primary means of communication with the kids and with parents is via social media. So 
they just say, hey, if you want the schedule or we'll let everybody know what they need to bring for tomorrow or whatever, look for the updates on our Instagram or look for the posting on Facebook. So they're utilizing the platform where yeah. everybody is. That would make it a tough, tough legal hurdle to cross. Here's one from the 414. Truth is, Google will have its way with our children because they paid the congressional gatekeepers for the access. Yeah, someone else texted, This is, isn't this what we have lawmakers for, as opposed to litigating it in the courts. Yeah. There are things where they're looking at it in Washington as well. And I, I grant you, I go in from an opinion standpoint with great caution when we talk about the government stepping in and wanting to eliminate, uh, wanting to limit platforms that provide for us the free expression, and there's a debate over how free it is. But you know, a free way for us to express ideas. When you talk, talk about the government coming down and saying we can't have this because it's dangerous, it's scary, but and it should we, be scary. If we know that it's done that way, if we know that it's written a certain, I mean, it's pretty much fact, right? The whole dopamine thing we talked about it endless times. If we know that it's a it's done intentionally to keep you wanting to continue to use your phone, if we know that students are struggling with um, anxiety and mental health issues now more than any other time in history, if we know that their brains are still developing and cannot handle it like us adults, who, by the way, I don't think we can handle it, to be honest. If they we <laughs> right. know all of these things already, then wouldn't that lead to some type of regulation slash restriction? I don't even know what that is. Like, I know the big question is always, well, how do you police it? I don't know, but... Man, we're pretty smart. We can inject robot uh, medicine into our veins and, and clear clogged arteries. I think we could figure out a way to prevent some kid from completely losing their mind by looking at social media. 855-616-1620 on the Old National Bank talk and text line. In my opinion, litigation is reactive. What would have been proactive would have been controls in place when we saw these social media platforms spinning out of control. And their argument is, well, we... Put that in there. Parents asked for parental limits or yeah. different guidelines. There are, there are those. And I, I, it's like a stop sign that everyone just blows right through. Well, you need to be X number of years old to be on this social. I, I, didn't, I, admit, I didn't even know what age it was. Like we had a conversation in my house when the kids were like, well, I want to get Instagram or I want to get this. Yeah. And then we sat them down and didn't. Well, now you know this is your responsibility. That... I'm not saying it fell on deaf ears, but they're they're kids and they're addicted. Sure, sure. And this is their universe, and I need help. 827 on Wisconsin's Morning News. You know, the other problem that we didn't have to deal with when we were younger, Eric, without all of this stuff is posting of inappropriate pictures on the internets or what have you. I've told this to any time I've been invited to speak to schools or whatever, and you have an age-appropriate group in front of you, maybe they're high schoolers, even middle schoolers need to hear it, is grant you that we didn't, we, we don't have the level of understanding because when we were teenagers, the idea of po having inappropriate pictures was kind of a non-starter. We had a camera when I was a kid, and first of all, not everybody even had cameras. Your family maybe had a camera. Mm-hmm. But what would you have done if you needed to if you needed to get your girlfriend some pictures of yourself, right? Oh, I have to go to Walgreens. You take right. You take your family's camera with the film in it, <laughs> or buy new film or whatever. Oh, no. You had to go through at least twelve pictures, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get a picture. You had to shoot through the whole roll of twelve, maybe twenty four. Some are blurry, <laughs> right? You had no way of selfieing it anyway to know what you were taking a picture of. Yeah. 
And then, yes, you either go to Walgreens or the hut outpost at the mall. Remember that the photo? Yes, yes. Hand it to a stranger and say, develop these naked pictures of me, please. (laughs) Then you had to pay for it on top of it, Mm -hmm. right? You had to go back in there and get them, yeah. So so I've always said, like, I grant you, we can't understand what you're dealing with because that was a non-starter for us. There wasn't a way for us to do that. And I wonder, too, like, I think there's a difference between, for us, a picture was a thing. It was a photograph. It was a, you know, it was a physical thing. And now kids talk about images. These are just images. I wonder if psychologically in their brain there's a difference. A photograph was something real. An image, that's just an image. But the image never disappears. (laughs) And that's the worst part. The photograph could get torn up, thrown away, forgotten about, You could at least burn that thing if you needed to. That's right. (laughs) Well, I've burned a couple of my... I'm just kidding. Yeah. The guy at Walgreens really liked you. (laughs) 8.36 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It happened again. Just right now, Carol Kane walked in the studio, getting ready to join Scafidi this morning at 9 o'clock. What mm-hmm. did she ask me, Eric? Did you thaw? Have you yeah. warmed up yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect setup yep. for the segment that I want to have. And the answer to that question that I got all weekend, have you warmed up yet? Have you thawed out yet? The answer is no. Oh, come on. No. I'm cold still today right now. Okay, that one was me. I don't remember you screaming. I, rem- I I never was screaming, but when I got out and was running back to, to dry off, I definitely was making verbal sounds to, to focus. So Eric and I took the polar plunge for Special Olympics Wisconsin Saturday, the coldest day that we've had in I don't know how many weeks. We've got a high of near 50 today. But Saturday morning when Eric and I jumped in Lake Michigan, along with a lot of other folks who yeah. were out there supporting Special Olympics, it was 17 degrees air temperature, and the water was 36. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what happened. There so was some screaming. Technically, the water was warmer than the air. Indeed. But I don't know if anyone noticed <laughs> no. that. Because as soon as it hits your body and the screaming, like, I wasn't doing that for effect or what you said, you know, like when you're out and you're yeah, just yeah, yeah. making noises. As soon as, as soon as you hit the water, like, I feel like your body takes over, like, in panic mode of, like... Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. This is what not is, good. What is this happening? This is not good. Right? <laughs> Emergency mode. Yeah. The chute is about to get pulled. <laughs> right. Just bleep. you just sort of go into emergency mode and start screaming and doing things that I don't See, know. See, survival mode. Aha. Uh-huh. See, it automatically kicks in. <laughs> survival. Back to my earlier conversation that if I were like marooned somewhere, I'd last seven minutes. No, you wouldn't. Uh, see, I, I believe you'd, your body would kick in and, okay, I need to survive, need to survive, need to survive. So Eric was so excited, though, and I've done the polar plunge a number of times. I'd never done it in the lake, which I was worried about, and I was right to be worried about that. I've always done the jump in the pool kind of thing. They'd yeah. set up this big tank, and it was equally as cold. I mean, the pool water would be 30-some, mm-hmm. 40 degrees, whatever, and it's cold outside. But basically, you're on a platform, you jump in. You're in, you're out, you're done. Here you had to execute a series of voluntary <laughs> actions that kept getting you increasingly cold. Right. 
and to move on into the water. But Eric was so excited Saturday morning when we came out. He brought his son Noah, which mm-hmm. was awesome. And he's like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Noah sprinted into the water. I was impressed. And sprinted out. <laughs> and he sprinted out. You're right. <laughs> but Eric was real excited. And then I I think you probably did enjoy it more than me, but it was it was tough on you. Right? I was well, yeah. I realized yes that it was a lot colder than I thought it was gonna be. For some reason, I didn't expect it to be warm by any means. But I thought I'd be able to like enjoy the moment, or and savor sounds positive. I wasn't expecting to like be able to stay out there forever, but I thought I could at least like manage a thirty seconds or something. But no, it was, as soon as my body was in, it was like okay, eject, eject, get out of the water. The video's up all over the place if you want to see it. It's on my social media at my my Twitter, my Facebook, uh, wtmj.com has it. We have it on our social media as well. If you want to see Eric and me going in, I'm embarrassed by what it looks like. It looks awful. <laughs> I said it's it's tantamount to an old man being escorted to his seat at the ball game. <laughs> Just put your, by put your a Cub Scout walker. A guy said, texted in and said that you look like a Cub Scout being led by the arm across the street. <laughs> you go move too fast here. Slow down. Well, so but it was slippery. Part like, of that was I could not fall down. I did not want to like lose my feet and then crack my dome. So we were we were on a boat launch at the McKinley Marina. Yeah. So it's cement all the way until you can't touch the bottom anymore. And that was slippery even when you were several feet in. Like, I, yeah. I, when I went under, because I want, you know, we both we decided both we got we to go all the way on. Full you know. immersion. Yeah, full immersion. When I came out, I turned. I'm like, all right, time to head back. And I was not moving, slipping on the ice at the slippery bottom of the cement. And then I tried to start to swim back. And like a little doggy paddle. There's no swimming. <laughs> yeah, right. It was not moving. He's like, what are we doing? The backstroke? I know if the one no. guy, there's, you know, there's those, uh, are they from the MPD or the sheriff's office? I think they're yeah, the emergency rescue folks yeah. were in their full dry suits, like what they use for ice rescues and things. Right. The one took a step toward me because like, he could see that I was not <laughs> moving back towards shore. He didn't want to help you if he didn't have to. Like, okay, I right, know you yeah. want to do this by yourself, but go, any, go down any further and yeah, I'm going to have to step in. Yeah. So... That was that. And in terms of when I warmed up, like I definitely was cold still yesterday at times. I feel like I'm cold today. See, that's interesting because that I did not notice. I, in fact, I was telling my kid this because as soon as we got home, like the shower's already running. Like He's in. But I, I remember like an hour after I was home, like actually feeling good. I don't think there was any rush or any like, you know, body reaction, but I just... Felt in a good place sitting on my couch watching a basketball game. I'm like, ah, oh, this is this is kind of nice right now. Nice and warm. Well, I'm glad. And I want to thank everyone who contributed to our fundraising effort, which is still open, by the way. So you can text the word CARES to 855-616-1620. CARES to 855-616-1620. The fundraising page is still open. Ooh, we're just shy of $4,000 right That's now, awesome. Eric. We're at 3938 right now. A couple of other folks have donated today. Uh, Lee donated. Oh, my buddy Dave Frieder, college friend of mine, played tennis with Dave. He's in for a big chunk of change. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Greg, Andy, Steve, all donating recently. So we sure would appreciate your support for the athletes. Well, I think the one thing you said yesterday or on Saturday that I really uh, appreciated was that don't let the stuns get in the way of what is actually happening on Saturday. And it was cool. Just the number of people that were there to support Special Olympics Wisconsin. It was awesome. It was just awe-inspiring. And you got a chance to meet a number of our athletes whom I've known for years. Uh, Just awesome. Let me see. A couple of our Special Olympics Wisconsin swimmers were there. 
I don't, I'm not sure if they both took the plunge because a number of athletes did go in mm-hmm. on their oh, own yeah. Behalf. Oh, yeah, we went in with some. But uh, here, I'll let you meet Sarah and Stephanie. Uh, so this is why we're here today for our Special Olympics athletes. This is Sarah and Stephanie. Stephanie McCollin. Yeah, you guys are both swimmers, right? Yeah. Swimmers, You're on yeah. the swim team? Yes. Good, we're going to need that skill today. You don't usually swim when it's this cold. No, we don't. No. Hey, Sarah, tell me how come Special Olympics is so important to you? Because it tells us, all of us athletes and people with, with special needs or anything, that we can do it! Yeah. Man, how much fun did you have just hearing that? Oh, just awesome. Just in all the cheers. Everyone was so excited for you. Everyone supported each other doing it. It was great. And that sense of community that the athletes yep. have with yep. each other. Maybe you're into sports, maybe you're not. And Special Olympics is certainly a sports organization. But I tell people all the time, and you got to experience it when you're around the athletes, it's how many of them identify themselves first. It's at the core of their identity. So if you meet me, they're like, oh, what do you do? Well, I work at WTMJ. I'm married. I got three kids. That's that's who I am. You meet one of these folks and say, oh, tell me about yourself. I'm a Special Olympics athlete. First thing. First thing. And it's so important to them. And folks ask me all the time, too, how did, how did you get more into it? I started volunteering. And uh, when I was at TMJ4, they'd have us come out and do the opening ceremony mm-hmm. or something for various events. And this was the one that really got me, Eric. My kids were real little. And I would emcee the bowling event, like a state qualifying bowling event for Special Olympics over at Bolero and Wauwatosa. It was kind of every year. It was sort of my thing. And there'd be weekends where it seemed to fall every year on a weekend that my wife was out of town. And so I got three kids myself, right? And I'm fully in the wraps of woe is me and my life. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, the whole weekend I get to take care of the kids myself. <sighs> Wish I could get some help, right? <sighs> and I would bring them with me because I thought it was so good for them. And it was. And my kids have lasting relationships with some Special Olympics athletes, and I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, getting out of the house was a hustle. And I'm yelling at them, and everybody, hey, yeah, we got to leave. We're late. I'm in a bad mood leaving because, you know, I, I had to do this all myself. I had this great burden on me, and why couldn't yeah. my kids be ready? Whatever. And I roll up at Bolero at 9 in the morning, and they're all there. Hundreds of Special Olympics athletes with their caregivers or with their families or their coaches or whatever. And it's all smiles. And I think, man, just for some folks in that situation with intellectual disabilities to go through daily life is a challenge that I, I couldn't truly know. And here I was bent out of shape because I had, Oh, I had to get ready to put socks on the kids I'm running late. And there they are all smiles. And that attitude just filled me yeah. with joy. Yeah. And you get that when you're on the athlete. So if you want to know, uh, why it's important to me and why I think I hope it's important to you. It's that. And so, again, if you can support us, 855-616-1620, text the word CARES. Hope we can get over $5,000 before it's all said and done because uh, we did pay the price. <laughs> and it was worth it. You mentioned before, it was just an aside comment, but if folks uh, were just listening to this hour and hadn't heard you earlier, you made you dropped the robot surgery comment. Injecting robots in your body so they can do their work. <laughs> Which is nuts. So this isn't like robotic-assisted surgery. Which no. I, I told you, I think, I'm pretty sure that's how they did my appendix. And I'm older than most when you get your appendix out. And I, so I had some recollection. They wheel me in and they're just these big screens. I assume what the surgeon did, very small incisions, and they went in robot-assisted and just like, 
suck the thing out. No, this, this is much different than that. If my intelligence is artificial, then why am I smarter than you? Yes, so researchers have successfully developed a miniature robot that can navigate through blood vessels and potentially help complete surgeries. So basically, it's an injectable micro-robot or robots that's really tiny, they're small. Some can swim, some have legs. That can travel. <laughs> See, I asked you this before and I still don't believe you. Why? I don't, you said legs. Yes, yeah, so I showed you. It's got these little things and it helps it move. Okay, but it's not like... So, listen, if you're just hearing this, it's not like spider legs. It's like... Well, <laughs> right. It's got, like, blood it's got like... It's table legs, or I don't know. Okay, I've, right. Either so way, it's think moving legs inside of the coffee your body. table. Yes, okay. Not spider legs. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel it walking around in you. Anyway, they can travel. They've successfully done it where it traveled through the artery of a pig... Using 3D X-ray imaging and an external medical magnetic field, mm-hmm, all of that happened. It delivered a dye, and then it returned safely to the extraction point. So it returned back and left. Then they sucked the little bots back out? Yes, from my understanding. That's wild. So anyway, by doing this, they're able to do all kinds of different things, like removing blood clots, delivering medicine to diseased areas, attacking areas that could be diseased. Who knows? Could be cancer, could be just a, a misfunction, a misfire of some type of area. Clogging arteries would be a huge thing. Just send the bot in, you know, armed with whatever. And just Imagine if that's like, you know. Blake, break that up. You, there's been Botox parties and stuff. Maybe someday we'll have micro-robotic parties where you'll just walk around and go. Goes and cleans you out. <laughs> does whatever. Yes, yes. Be great. Now, you wouldn't want one, I think, living in there forever. No, the extraction point being a, a key component of this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. A couple of quick updates here before we get to Steve. Yes, Fantastic Voyage was the movie we were thinking of. In terms of the robots in the what a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of folks texting about that. And what was the other one? Inner space. That's yep. a great. That was I saw that when I was a kid. I, robots in the body fixing stuff. Well, it's like it's miniature guy. So Randy Quaid was in Martin Short's body. That's it. And he was like flying around, which is a scary thought. That's <laughs> cool. It's a really good movie. WTMJ's Steve Scafidi is about to take over for the next three hours. Thank you for your donation to our Oh, you're welcome. Olympics. I saw the Polar video. Plunge. And you guys having fun out Did there. Did you? What did you lake? think of that video? Um, you look cold. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cold. It is. It's jarring. I told you it'd be jarring because I've done it. It's there. It is. You know the worst part was the waiting. Yep. Because you're standing there and you. I skips. think Tom Petty wrote a song about that. Actually, it is the hardest part. <laughs> Well, because it was 17 degrees, and Eric and I were in the first sort of wave of plungers. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, you guys got to get ready to go here. We're going to get started at 11. And so we're like, okay. So you're out there at like 5 to 11 in a T-shirt. Yeah, that's you – know, and then getting out. I was I was surprised that you both completely stripped naked to put your warm clothes back on. I thought that was a little awkward in public. <laughs> I, I never expected to see that. They have a tent I'll, for that. I'll <laughs> never get that image out of my brain. But. Well, there, there wasn't much to see. Oh! If you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it was cold. It was, that lake water's cold. It's 30-some degrees, right? So what are you working on? <laughs> <laughs> what am I working on? Besides Should, that. Eric, you, this is this is relevant for you, 
I don't know, not so much for Vince. Should 16-year-olds and younger be banned from social media? What do you think? Man, I'm telling you. I, you know what? It really wouldn't bother me. I have to admit, just because it would make my life easier. I'm in that camp. It's like, let's do it. What, what are we doing here? Now school districts are suing over this? Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Let's. Why is this a hard decision? If parents can't monitor it, if kids are so ingrained with this stuff that they're losing their minds over it why are we why is this a problem well, and it's like factually identified as an issue yes. I mean, it, it, it's, it's all the all the warning signs are there you have a growing developing brain that cannot handle the uh, the effects of these algorithms that are created meant for that reason to keep them continuing to use it and to hurt their own brain <laughs> yeah we're diving right in because i'm passionate about this well, I, just, I don't know why we're why we're doing we're get allowing ready for this, to this text is well you, as parents well you don't have to let them do it and that's it's true. true it's true but i've said as parent as a parent of a teenager it's virtually impossible for them to navigate the modern day world without yeah. that kids aren't like, under so, your purview 24 7 365 that. they have lives including ever lives because we've stacked all these commitments on them. Some they want to do, some maybe they don't want to do. So we're going to, Carol and I are going to dig deep on this one. Shut the whole thing off. Shut it down. <laughs> Steve Scafidi's next on WTMJ. Unknown caller.